passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. We're rolling. We're live in Ross's house. I like it. I'm rock and rolling. 82nd minute of the Champions League clash between Barcelona and Atletico Madrid. That'll be over by the time you uh, by the time you listen to this. I love it. The way we do these podcasts these days is you'll come around to my house. Yeah. And basically, we'll be watching a game that's going on that nobody is watching with us at the same time. Sure. And we'll make comments about it. Yeah. That nobody will have any frame of reference for at that particular moment because they probably weren't watching the game at the time. So, pretty uh, nonsensical, really. I'm going to tweet, everyone turn on the game so we can talk about the last 10 minutes together. (laughs) Even though this isn't going out live. Yeah, but when they listen to it, they can go back, ah, I know what they were talking about now. I got it. I got this. Yeah, on demand is a wonderful thing. I found out that, um... Found out that just because you told me. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you found out. That we both went to uh, see tulips this weekend. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, we, again, we are rock and roll. Well, if, if there's flowers, we're there. Yeah, I'm in. And ooh, magic spray time. Don't forget about the 83rd minute when Neymar got his magic spray. That's a real big, highlight of this big, match. Big moment, big moment. Um, Saturday was a big soccer day, and then Sunday was big, big flower day, big tulip day. Now... We went different directions, Ross. That, yeah, yeah. We, we our, our paths were not destined to meet, which is which is really sad because we could have trampled, we could have sprinted, yeah, across the tulip beds. Oh man! Somebody would have put a slow motion on the video <sighs> as we then lovingly embraced, having not realised each other were going to be there. Also, not realised that though there are signs everywhere not to do that. Yeah, everyone just does that. All the tourists do it. Of course they do. I lose my damn mind. I'm there, like, fuming. 
I'm watering the tulips with blood shooting from my eyes because I'm so mad at the people there. And then I'm judgy because it's like foreigners, and I'm like, oh, maybe they just don't read English. You're such an old man. And then they come out, and they're speaking English, and I'm like, you're just a jerk. Yeah, as you creep into a a row to get your own photo. Uh, I did not, sir. I did not do that. Oh, uh, very good. Instead, I took pictures of everyone else doing that. So I'd walk (laughs) up while they were posing and just take a picture also, and then they'd look at me, and I'd be like, yeah. Moving on. And then you shopped to them individually. You printed out those photos, took them to the front desk and said, these people should be banned from ever seeing your tulips ever again. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Let me tell you, uh, I posted a photo of uh, me and the missus uh, at the tulips. and It was a very nice photo. Thank you. Posted on my Instagram also. Now, a thing happened that took me by surprise. A member of the Seattle Sounders FC squad... Captain Brad Evans talked a little smack to me on my Instagram. Oh. Now, let me tell you why I'm surprised. It's because Brad Evans follows me on Instagram? Wow. I Maybe he's just not got anything better to do. Evidently, because he's talking about me. Like, I'm... So, I'm giggling like a child because I've now realized that... Cool enough to have Brad Evans follow me on Instagram, everybody. And let's remember, for the, about the past two, three years... In your position on the front row behind the goal at CenturyLink Field, you've been trying to catch him, haven't yeah. you? You've been trying to shout at him and get him to turn around and at least once acknowledge you yeah. without success. Maybe like a dap, maybe a little fist bump there. Mm. One day I'm going to get his, uh, get him to give me his, that jersey he wears that he usually like donates for auctions or something like that. I'm going to talk my way into that. So, so he hit you up on Instagram, and I was like, "This is." First of all, like I said, didn't know he even followed me, which is amazing. And then he's talking smack to me, and I'm like, oh, so Brad Evans and I, we're friends now. Didn't what, know if you know that or not. What did he say? Uh, he, he definitely accused me of photoshopping my photo. Ah. Saying, this is definitely not real. You photoshopped this. You're, you're full of lies. So I told him that um, the rumor that I heard about $10 for all-you-could-eat tulips was the real lie of the day. I didn't, they didn't get to eat a single tulip out there. So They smelled really good, though. They were almost good enough to eat. <sighs> that was me, actually. Oh. I was the one that smelled that good. And even though we were at different tulip farms. Mm-hmm. And then somebody photographed you, and then they took that to the front desk and got you thrown out for yeah. eating <sighs> tulips. Too much. I had three too many. Yeah. I was supposed to have seven. I ate $10 a piece, I thought. Not so good. So Well, it's probably a better option than the lines for the food at those places. They did have real fudge at the place I went to. No. Yeah, I didn't get any because I didn't need more sugar after all the tulips, but... Oh, I feel like I've missed out. It's my favorite thing in the whole wide world, fudge. Oh, uh, really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Today we learned something. This is a monumental day in the history of our podcast. I'm writing this down. I'm so impressed that I'm... Really? I'm dicta- Yeah. You don't find fudge that often around here. That's That's another thing. I I guess I'm never really I don't really have my eyes open to fudge. You're is not there, a fudge connoisseur. Is there a history to your no it's fudge just love? <laughs> <laughs> my love of fudge. Fudge love. I'm I ready. think maybe we should move on from this. Fudge love. Uh, that's the title of this episode for sure. Well, maybe not. Maybe something else is going to yeah, come up. Yeah, I think we should clear. probably now, avoid that. Now tell me uh, the difference. You've been to both tulip farms now. I've only ever been to the Rosen Garden. Is that what it is? Yeah, Rosen? sounds about right. It's, a, like it's kind of a Dutch origin place. Uh, I, gent who started it years ago was yeah. from the Netherlands. Yeah, so. that's, 
Hence Rosengard. Dutch name. I read a thing and he said that he uh, visited here and he was like, this is the type of land that we would grow tulips in. And then he pledged to come back and he did and started it. I can't believe I remembered something. That's... That's pretty good. It must be these top pot donuts I'm eating. Free plug. It's more the tulips that you ate. Oh, it gives man. you good brain power. Ah, it's the new Ginko, Gin, Ginko go, go, Koba Loba. Easy Oof. for you to say. <laughs> How dare you, sir. <laughs> um, tell me the tell me the tell what the tulip town is like, because I've never been. Yeah, full of tulips. Okay. Basically. <laughs> and then you can go in tractors and have a like, ride. And my one-year-old was very impatiently waiting about 45 minutes to get on a tractor. My turn. My turn. My turn. My turn. Yes, yes, you'll have your turn. My turn. My turn. Yeah, just wait a few moments. My turn. My turn. My turn. Right. Are we going home yet? My turn. First, we have to get bad food. Now, two-part question. One, at any point did you see the tulips and go, pretty sick? Pretty sick. I I, I didn't, actually. Two, have you taught your one-year-old yet how to say pretty sick? No, I haven't. I think I'm missing a treat. Okay. A trick. And she's missing a treat by me missing a trick. Yeah, there you go. You, I, I'm just saying, strongly recommend that if you ever want her to be a professional snowboarder. Yes. Pretty sick. And they all use that phrase, yeah, she's as I be- found out in Norway a couple of months ago. Yeah, go back and listen to that. I'm assuming everyone knows what I'm talking about. That's a thing on the show. If you don't... Well, what do they say about never assume, because to assume makes an ass, ass out of you and me? Out of you and me. Yeah, yeah. that's fine. I, I, it's, it's more arrogant. Arrogance <laughs> and uh, the, the million people that listen to our podcast go through it at least three times a week I to make we sure had, they know everything we've talked about. I think we had seven last week. It was pretty good. Good. All right. Lucky so, number. Yeah. Lori didn't listen last week, so it's usually eight. Numbers down by fourteen percent. Yeah. Wow. That was quick. That's that's the type of things that an economics degree will get you. Yeah. I know. All right. Well, um, last Saturday was a real disaster. Ross. Sunday was nice, full of flowers. Just a wonderful time. Saturday, totally different story. Why? Because on Saturday morning, Arsenal uh. played someone, Watford. Yeah, remembered. And for the first time in 2016, my crew of friends said, let's get up on Saturday morning and head to the pub. Wow. And watch some soccer. And that's good for you, because you get up at like two in the morning every day. Absolutely. I slept until three, and uh, then had a, you know, had a nice knit, and then, um, you know, took a shower and got out there. So, I had a, uh, I had a beer in my hand by eight, eight fifteen on Saturday. That's pretty good going. Then my, uh, my other friends, uh, Manly is a uh, Liverpool fan, and my other friends are Tottenham fans, and Oof. so we watched that match. I gotta tell you, I didn't pay as much attention to that one because I don't care. I just wanted to see Tottenham lose. They did not. Spoiler mm. alert. Yeah. Uh, because at the, the the top of the Premier League is pretty pretty close right now. No, it's not. Leicester, come on. They're seven points clear. And seven points clear. And they don't show any weakness. Like they no. Uh, maybe they will now, but they haven't shown any cracks. It's crazy. Crazy. It's crazy that they keep winning by one goal. If and they won one nil against Southampton on the Sunday. I got up and watched that because again my daughter was decided she didn't really think sleep was a good idea. Sure, of course, yeah. So you're up at five. She was hungry for tulips. Yeah, I got it. Quite, yeah. She was overdosing. Yeah, just like you. Mm. And and saw Leicester. So didn't get to see any Arsenal, but I presume you were fairly triumphant, right? Yeah, I can't remember the end result. I just remember it was. Wasn't it four nil? Four nil? Three nil? So four nil? Yeah. I mean, you know these things. I, I'm, my memory is terrible. But uh, yeah, it was like there was goals, and the team looked like they were playing together, and like they cared, and it was good. It was good to see that. 
Um, and it, they're not really in the running very much. I, I read a stat, I think I said it last week, that if they dropped no fewer than four points, then they had a shot at being there at the end of the season, assuming that Leicester does something to... Uh, again, you're using that word assume. Yeah. <laughs> Dangerous. Dangerous. So, um, but it looked pretty good. So the day got to a crazy start, though, Ross. There was a part where I got home and walked the dog, and it's kind of blurry. <laughs> like, like 11 a.m.? It was about 12.30. We, uh, right. we left the bar. We watched the beginning of El Clasico. We saw the first half, I think, and then we took off. And, uh, yeah, I was um, you know, I was hungover by 2 o'clock in the afternoon, if that's a thing that you're familiar with. I don't know. That's pretty darn good going. Felt pretty good about it. You could yeah. tell a guy who doesn't have kids by the ability to... Morning drink. It's not just day drinking. But the thing is, if you have a hangover by two and you don't have kids, you can just go to bed. <laughs> Glorious. Well, that's where the that's where my conundrum happens, though, Ross. Is I went home and I walked the dog. I sort of remember that she got a walk out of it. That's good. Took a nap on the old couch, but then I had to get up so I could go back and start again for the sounder. Soccer Saturday. Now I have a question. Um, as you know, I'm. You got a lot of questions today. I'm usually fascinated by the differences between our English-speaking cultures. In um in England, is it taboo or is there like a thing? There's a saying here that well, it's afternoon. If you're gonna drink during the day, you wait till noon to do so. Okay. Do you have an equivalent of that? Is there a social frowning that happens if people start drinking at say eight fifteen in the morning? Oh no, I don't think so. Most commonly, you'll find people drinking at that time in the morning at airport lounges. Oh. Because everybody, it seems, that goes on vacation from England to somewhere like Spain yeah. or Portugal mm-hmm. generally goes to try and drink as much as they can for a week or two. And so they're going to start, and no matter what time they have to get to the airport for their unearthly early flights. Yeah. And so you'll see grown men and women at five in the morning having a beer just because they're on vacation. It doesn't matter that it's 5 a.m., so I'm, I can kind of understand that. Maybe we should catchphrase that. Yeah. Because we don't seem to have one similar to the American English one. Yeah, okay. Um, okay, well, we'll put that it's out. It's a write-in competition. There, there you go. go, yeah. All right, so I want to know what you would call that morning drinking, specifically airport drinking, it sounds like. Now, I used to always like to get a beer in the airport before I got on a plane. Ross, do you enjoy flying? Is that something you like doing? I'm not very good at it i don't know the controls but i I generally land now i'm joking um i don't mind it i think it's i'm more like the idea of it i'm more like the idea that you know you're heading somewhere that you've got a sense of purpose for that day it's one of those things says the guy who is at home a lot (laughs) yeah i might might square it mightn't it that when you do get to to fly you're like oh i'm going somewhere doing something but um no, I think, like people say, on those cheesy talent shows on TV, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. Oh. So for me, I love airplanes. Like, okay. I like the idea of being on an airplane and they accelerate and you're like pushed back in your seat like, whoa, uh, and then they take off and you're like, oh, my stomach is so tingly. I love all of that. And then I like being on the plane. I like the little inadequate drinks that they bring me where it's like, here is two pours of ginger ale. And so I'm you're like, not one of those guys that asks for the entire can. Oh, I've become one, for sure. <laughs> I'm definitely take the bull by the horns in that case. Uh, I flew JetBlue the other day, and they gave me a full can without asking. They gave everyone a full can without asking. I was like, 
that's how you do it. It was a long flight from New York. I figured they probably knew that I was going to ask for more. I've seen two different things while flying. This is such a privileged conversation since we're talking about flying so much. But um, I've noticed that some companies take a cart and they go all the way up and down the aisle, right? And yes. Then others, they have a person with like a tray and they come and take your order and then they go make the drinks and then they come back on a tray and they'll bring you your drinks one at a time. Well, that's, that's if you're in first class. No, 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 no. This is Southwest. This is... Oh. I flew... Uh, JetBlue was the same way where they like bring you individually. So there's not just a stupid cart in the way that like if you got to pee, like, well, it's going to be 47 minutes before we get all the way down this aisle. Good luck. And you're just screwed. So... That's interesting. Yeah. So I'm, I'm weighing these things out now. Uh, I love the flying, and so drinking in an airport, man. You could be onto something yeah, here, because they always have TV screens where they're showing sports. Yeah. So instead of actually going to a pub, uh, why don't you book a ticket to Boise on the final day of the Premier League season? Yeah. Instead of actually flying to Boise, just turn up at the airport as if you're pretending you're going to take the flight. <sighs> love the idea that you're going to fly. Yeah. Sit in one of the bars in SeaTac drink affordable and watch the soccer yeah the affordable beers in the airport let me tell you I thought Fado oh, was expensive but really affordable yeah okay I guess that's what, maybe I'll even book a flight you, I mean you could even take the flight go to Boise come back I should what find is out, it 45 minutes I should find out if they have one of the planes with the live TV that you can watch on there so I can keep watching while I'm on the oh, airplane oh yeah. yeah yeah fly yeah. Delta Good. I'm glad we got to the bottom of some really important questions. Have Very. you been? To, have you been to Spain before? Oh, plenty. Yeah. If you were going to go to Spain today, and you could get, you could teleport there, so you didn't actually have to fly. Okay. You're oh, just that'd like, be nice. You could teleport to Spain as long as you get a whole can of drink in the teleporter. Waiting for it. I mean, the teleporting's pretty quick. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, good point. Pretty sick. Um, but if you uh, if you could go anywhere in Spain, teleport to Spain. Where do you go? Well, it depends on what you want. I mean, it's a pretty rubbish answer, but... Thanks, Ross. <laughs> I was about to say pretty rubbish yeah, question. Question? How no, dare you? That's a good question. I'm just being pernickety here, aren't I? Okay, Granada. That's in Spain? Yes. <laughs> I didn't. Know. I thought that was a type of wine. <laughs> oh, it's a region. No, it's not Granada. You think it's Grenache, is it? Uh, oh, I don't know. But, um, yeah, Granada. Okay. Beautiful city. Just nestled in the foothills of a Sierra Nevada mountain range where you can go skiing, and then about an hour and a half south is Beach. Oh, is this, uh, what, what's the big, what's the nearest big city? Well, Granada's pretty big, it's, uh, it's not that big, but it's reasonable sized, maybe Seville, Seville's a couple of hours west, so it's down the south, it's pretty, pretty far south. Cool, okay, see, I, this is a loaded question, because I'm looking to do some honeymooning. Oh, <clears throat> okay. And we're looking at places, and I was like, well... No one ever says they go to Spain unless you're from Europe, I think. Mm-hmm. And so, no we'll one do I- Barcelona then. Okay, is it? Yeah. Will it deliver? Will there be? There'll be ham and cheese there. For my vegan uh, misses, I'm sure she'll love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Olives. Yeah. Oh, that sounds great. Just eat olives. She loves olives. Okay, so, so you say go to Barcelona? That's like a thing. I do Barcelona. Yeah, Madrid isn't really uh, a touristy city. Yeah. If you go to Bilbao in the north, they've got a great Guggenheim Museum, but yeah. there's not a lot more there. It's very agricultural and, and rustic. But I suppose, yeah, Barcelona, uh, it's got its own little beach to it. It's got a lot of culture to it. Great Gaudi building. 
Circuit Palace. de Catalunya is there, the uh, Formula One racetrack. Yeah, the Formula One racetrack. And you can go and watch some Barcelona soccer as well. So that's just it, is that Laurie said that if we went to Barcelona and there was a soccer match, we could go and see that. And oh, like, you'd have to. Yeah, 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 you'd have to. I feel like it's like such a spectacle, 100,000 people going to watch yeah, soccer, sure. that it would be worth it. Avoid the Costa del Sol. Because that's where these tens of thousands of Brits I just mentioned that drink at five in the morning yeah. all go on their vacations. Wait, avoid? Yeah, avoid it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, that's good. So, back to what we were talking about, <laughs> which is a messy Saturday, okay? Uh-huh. So, I'm on this blood thinner because I've got this blood clot, right? And so, Nasty. somebody went a little too hard in the morning, okay? And then, uh. so I kind of woke up from my nap, felt a little weird, went to my buddy Cool Keith's house, Hung out there, sort of like wanted to still nap on his couch. They like didn't really let me. We got a juice. It was delicious. And then uh, it was time to head over to the match. I get to the match. We're standing in the concourse. We're there early, which is something that never, ever happens. What? And I'm like, oh, my blood is very thin right now. How do you know? Uh, it's the darkening of the corners of your vision. It's the sparkles that I start to see. Ooh. It's the oh, I'm gonna fall overness that's happening. That right? doesn't sound good. No, it's not. It's not cool. It's. I mean, it's hilarious for other people to watch me be miserable. Um, if you're into that, if you're a masochist like that. But um, so I say, I'm gonna have to go sit down. I think, and someone says, go get go get yourself some food and then come back and sit down. You're probably just hungry or something like that. Turns out it wasn't just hungry. Sit down in my seats. Everyone stands up at the Sounders matches. About three minutes in, I've got a pretty great view of Keith's butt and my friend Brian's butt because they're standing sort of in front of me as I'm sitting in my seat. And I'm like, what are you doing, man? So I like to tell the Sounders that I gave this weekend's match my full four. Ah. They got about four minutes out of me before I packed up. Then I'm going home and I see on the Twitter, Ross Fletcher won. At the Sounders match. Yeah. You went to a Sounders match as a fan. Yeah, I went to my first Sounders match as a fan. That's crazy. It was, yeah, it was, a, it was maybe slightly surreal. Yeah. Having been there in a working capacity yeah. for the last four years, I'd never been to watch a Sounders game as a supporter before. That's crazy. Because I was always working. You could get everyone else tickets, and now you needed to get the tickets yourself. That's <laughs> yeah. crazy. I was the one now on the other end of this now, having having people always going, can I get a couple of tickets from me? To me going, any chance of a ticket? And no, it was it was a very, very uh, different experience for me to only have to get to the game for what, half an hour, 45 minutes before. Most important thing, to be able to get a beer and, and get through the security, and then just hang out yeah. chat to people watch some soccer all that kind of stuff without worrying about does my tie look right have I remembered my my red and yellow marker pens for when people get booked by the referee and have I got the 10 million and one useless stats restored in my brain for when I need them at any moment in the game so you go to this match right and I I presume that you really can't go many places in CenturyLink Field without running into somebody that's like it's is that Ross Fletcher? Can I have a picture? Hey, Ross Fletcher. <laughs> How, what are you doing here? Aren't you mad at them? That type of stuff. Was it weird? It was a little bit odd, but I suppose you were always used to people saying, hi, how you doing? Just in a slightly different way this time. Hey, we miss you. We miss you, man. We miss you. Which is quite sweet. Yeah, and some people saying, oh, hey, how are you? And all that kind of stuff. But then also going in, and I, and I sat around a lot of people that I know from the club anyway, which was nice, really. 
because you never really get to chat to them. Yeah. And just see them on the other side, see them watching a game yeah. rather than being disparate from them and only ever catching up with them post-match in the in the garage as they're leaving with their husbands or uh, they're leaving with their buddies or whatever. So yeah, it was it was odd to, to sit in a seat. But then again, it wasn't odd in another way that been nearly six months, I think, yeah. or at least five months since I'd called the game at CenturyLink Field. So it seemed like a long time in the past. Weird, yeah. Yeah, very weird in that regard. Did you get some sweet club-level seats about... Ten rows from the top or so, something like, like in that. The corners yeah, yeah, it was there. quite nice, and you, you get to realise that pretty much every view in that stadium is a really good view. I was tucked away right to the the goal to your right hand side, but in that mid kind of level where you get a really great perspective of the game. Because in the play by play booth, it's actually although it's a magnificent stadium, CenturyLink Field, yeah. the play by play booth is too far back, yeah, and too high. You want to be more on top of the action, closer to the field, so it's easier to identify players, but still in a position where you can see everything happening at the same time. So, yeah, it was great to get that kind of view. You know, I've uh, I've watched a ton of soccer on TV, and I have seats that are like, uh, not to brag, but my friend has seats, front row seats that I share with him. And it's awesome because you're right there. When something happens, it's right in your face. But it's really hard to see the depth of the game. It's really hard to see beyond just the goal that because we're Because you're low, yeah. Yeah, and so uh, the few times I've gotten some other seats, like uh, the Sounders have been nice enough to give me seats a few times, and I'll take them just as something different to do. And you sit in that kind of mid 200 level um, and it's the perfect view I remember the first time I sat there I was like so this is how the commentators can actually see what happens because I'll be like it doesn't look like he caught him when I'm butt down low or up high but if you're sitting in that middle view you can really see just the right angle to see the little kicks and little uh, little pulls and, and yeah maybe and they should the, get referee Mark Geiger one of those seats yeah he, oh, zing feel that burn Geiger oh, he'll never live that down that poor guy when he comes back back here it's his own fault but like when he comes he, back here he'll never live it down i think about the third time of asking he kind of made a half admission a week or so later that he might have got something wrong in that game against vancouver the penalty kicks but anyway but anyway we digress yeah this was um what was the game who were they playing again they played against montreal impact there we go and um the second half was interesting <laughs> i saw that on tv <laughs> well you uh, didn't miss much in the first half put it that way how is it different when you're watching a match and you don't have to be looking down at your notes or you don't have to be like okay my three storylines are this and i gotta figure out how to tie what's going on right now into what i was talking about it's really it's a really good question for me it might be a little boring for other people but from a purely personal point of view... Oh, we're down to five listeners. Yeah. It was so nice to be able to sit back and just watch from a more tactical point of view. Yeah. That's what Casey Keller did with me as the colour guy. He didn't have to worry about too many notes or stats or storylines. He could just look at the match and analyse it for what it was. And as I was saying earlier, I had so much going on in my mind. There's, I'm talking, concentrating on getting the right players, getting the storylines right, getting the right stats out there, communicating with Casey, communicating with the producer in the TV truck in the back of the stadium, looking at other things, looking at other monitors. I mean, there's a hundred million things going on. So, of course, when your mind is, is so occupied with other stuff around the game, you can't analyse the game itself as deeply as you might want to as a sure. fan. Yeah. So for me, it was just me and a couple of buddies watching the game from the, the mid-level 
And I was able just to take it all in and see and look at players' positioning and see how Clint Dempsey was working or not working successfully in that new attacking yeah, midfield role. What did you see there? I'm curious. Now, I know that Deuce had the goal because um, right place, right time. Got the. I mean, it wasn't the prettiest goal I've ever seen, but he awful got the goalkeeping. Ball. Yeah, got the ball in the net. That's yeah. what you're looking yeah, for. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was your game winner in a, in a in a pretty dire game. Yeah, Dempsey again came up huge. The goalkeeper was was terrible there, Evan Bush. He came for a corner that he was never, ever going to get. And Dempsey's header really quite softly went into the goal. Again, credit Dempsey. He did everything he needed to to get the winner. But if the goalkeeper had stayed on his line, it would have been a fairly simple save, even a fairly simple catch for him. But the Dempsey conundrum is so interesting for me. Is it this one right here where Deuce is walking off the field and he can't even look at Ziggy, who's like panicked to get his attention? I have a photo from the game, a still <laughs> that not, I took. I'd not seen that photo. <laughs> just, I, very I happened, funny. I happened to pause it, and it's Ziggy, like a parent, trying to tell like a kid to be like, "No, you can't go over there." And the kid's like, "I'm going over there." Right. It's like that thing. It's a yeah. very interesting look into their dynamic. I feel That's like funny, but it's a very interesting dynamic right now because he's clearly the Sounders' best player on the field. He needs to be the one scoring the majority of the goals because they sold their leading goal scorer. But he doesn't have the same rapport with his teammates than he did with Oberfemi Martins. And the dynamism of last year has gone yeah. the last couple of years because there's no Martins. So that combination of Dempsey and Martins really lit the league up. It was probably the best combination in the league. But now he doesn't have his wingman. Dempsey's trying to find how to influence a game as best he can. The best way he can influence the game is by having as many touches on the ball as possible. But he has to have those touches, or at least a high proportion of those touches, around the goal in order to convert chances. He can't do everything. And I think what the Sounders are trying to do is make him do everything. Because he started <laughs> up in the first three games of the season up front, but he wasn't down the middle, which is his best position because that meant Nelson Valdez will be put out of position if he wasn't playing through the middle. So Valdez was in the middle, Dempsey was pulled wide left, Jordan Morris wide right. That just hasn't really worked so far for a number of factors. Hold on, are you telling me that there's two guys who are good at playing in the middle that are both on the Sounders starting as forwards? Mm-hmm. And usually they would play with two guys in the front? <laughs> And now, and now they're ignoring that for a system that they practiced throughout the preseason that really hasn't paid any dividends. A system that was designed to incorporate Oberfemi Martins. What going was the thinking three there, forwards. though? Like the thinking th was that they would have four good forwards, not three, because of Jordan Morris as well. Yeah. And rather than having two good forwards on the on on the field, and then the other two either on the bench or way out of position. They would have three on the field with one on the bench or one out of position. But it still begs to put Deuce on the side or something, and or then, somebody on the side, or Oba in that case, like in yeah, the planning. Well, and then it goes down to recruiting. What what are you desperately recruiting Jordan Morris for if you've already got three <laughs> really good guys, it, I mean, three it DPs? Out. I mean, you know why you're recruiting Jordan Morris because he's a quality player yeah. who will come good. He's had he's had troubles. We'll come on to that in a minute. But he's a homegrown kid. It all makes sense. Yeah, sure. From that point of view. But you stockpiled four guys, essentially, for two positions. So to get around that, you change your system, which you've played all seven years, and it's not worked. 
And within that, Dempsey's positional situation hasn't worked, hadn't scored from open play, and still hasn't, even though he got that that header that won the game. Let's not forget that. But he was moved back to that central attacking midfield role. It was almost a 4-2-3-1 rather than a 4-3-3, which the idea being is Dempsey could dictate play better from a little deeper, but then try and get forward. But you can't do that. You can't be all things to all men. And he was less effective in that role, I would say, because he's playing a little deeper. The Sounders were asking him to be the playmaker through the middle, but also they want him to get on the end of stuff and score goals. You can't do both jobs. You need that Oba presence there if you're going to have him be the playmaker in the middle. You got to well, have no, someone because to if you got the o- if you got the Oba presence, then you put Dempsey up front and you maximise that one-two combination like they have done for the last couple of years. And so he's stuck in a bit of a, bit of a no man's land. And there was a very good article by a writer called Graham Parker, who writes often for The Guardian and for 442 USA, saying at the moment, Dempsey is as much the Sounders' biggest problem as he is their biggest asset, because they don't quite know how to get the best out of him. He's not a problem in any other sense. He's their their leading professional and their best player. But it's almost presenting that conundrum. How do you get the most out of him in order for the team to operate the best? And they haven't found it so far in this new formation, and they're still looking for that overall remedy. Because even though the Sounders won 1-0, it was a sloppy performance by Seattle. Which is crazy because I thought the first three matches, at least for a, a solid half of each, the team looked pretty good. The team looked like they were operating well together. And even though there were some question marks over some stuff, I thought that the results weren't really indicative of how well they had played at times uh, in those first three matches. And now this one, they win, but it looks very unconvincing. Well, yeah, going forward's definitely unconvincing. Absolutely. There's a lot of chemistry that needs to be worked out there. At the back, they look pretty good. Ozzy Alonso has started the season terrifically well. God, he's so and he, good. He's mopping everything up. And in, in his defensive midfield role, within that three-man midfield, he is doing a superb job almost back to his best, I would say, from his first few years in MLS. If there's one criticism of Ozzy Alonso, it's that he's not ever really kicked on to the extent that you would have hoped in it, from, from his first three excellent Major League Soccer seasons. He's he, never, old, he, he, can, he still has room. His position allows for you to get a few years older, right? Like playing a defensive midfield is... Yes and no, because you're covering a lot of ground... And you've got to remember, he's missed the last couple of playoffs or, or chunks of playoffs with groin injuries. Yeah, And or, you've got uh, to wonder about him looking after his body and whether it will break down late in seasons now as he's, what, I've got around sol- 30. Got a solution. Solution. His name is uh, Flamini, and he plays for Arsenal, and he's looking to come to the MLS. I saw that, yeah. Uh, I, 32. I mean, if we need some red cards, <laughs> Seattle Sounders, I know the guy. Yeah. He's my favorite. I'm sure he would come really cheap having played all those years in, in, in Spain and in England's Premier League. He's got that biofuel company that he's got to fund, Ross. We've got to help him with that. What? Have we not talked about this? No. Matteo, is that it? Uh, Matteo. Matteo. Matteo Flamini. Okay, Matthew Flamini, as they say <laughs> on the TV. That'll, that'll do. Uh, like when they call him Oliver Giroud. Um, uh, Flamini uh, teamed up when he was in Italy with this uh, science nerd, like a like a engineer. And this guy had come up with a system for taking um, a biofuel that otherwise was not mass producible, and he figured out how to do it. And so Flamini put his money into it, and I guess he's a reasonably smart guy too, and he put his money and his belief into this, and this other guy made a company that they're 
saying that when they're ready to go public, it'll be worth $20 billion. $20 billion. $20 billion is what it's going to be. The idea is so strong. And it's they didn't come up with the idea. They just figured out how to mass produce this new type, new fuel source. And it's going to change the game, supposedly. Change the world? Yeah, possibly. Since when has a footballer changed the world? Yeah, I mean, exactly. So well, it's um all right. So he, I think he just wants to keep playing for the sake of keep playing uh, and funding his company. So maybe we get Flamini on the on the kit next year. Um, Sponsored by Rocket Fuel. There you go. I talked to a rocket scientist yesterday. Done. Man, it was awesome. <laughs> but defensively, Seattle have been very good. Yeah, there have been a couple of errors and individual errors. You look at the Tyler Miller goalkeeper problem for the for the Salt Lake winner a couple of weeks ago. But defensively, they do, they've done a pretty good job. They did a really good job in shutting down Ignacio Piatti of Montreal, their attacking midfielder, on uh, on Saturday sure. night, who is a, I think a wonderful player. Uh, going forwards really can't be bothered to defend much but then again a lot of those creative geniuses just don't and coaches understand that and give them free reign but he was shut down Tyrone Mears did a really good job Christian Roldan did a pretty good job of snaring him and Brad Evans and Chad Marshall plugging those gaps and Montreal never really truly threatened so defensively Sam is doing very well but the big conundrum really is, is all around those forward guys right now in my full four minutes that I gave on Saturday, I did see an interesting couple moments from Chad Marshall, Brad Evans, and Mears coming over. And the three of them looked like they were a pretty cohesive group of guys that are all on the older end of their playing career. And they like seemed like they're all kind of like on the same page. And then you've got the mystery on the left-hand side with who's going to play, whether it's Remick or Jovan Jones or who's going to be over there on the left wing. And that might still be a weakness I would imagine at some point well uh, you see so much experience in Mears in Marshall and in Evans yeah Jovan Jones is still relatively young oh, he looks like he's gonna be good and he's fast he's very fast um, he, he's very confident bombing forwards as is the way with modern fullbacks yeah. from the left back position just worry a little bit about his positioning and his concentration levels the first Vancouver phantom penalty was from Jovin Jones getting the wrong side of his marker. Right. And I just worry whether defensively he has enough nous. Not had enough games yet to make a full judgment on that, but just something to keep your eye on. And Remick came off with cramps having started the game because Jones came back late from international teaching and had a bit of a, a knee bruise, I think. But I think you'll see Jovin Jones trying to lock down that left-back spot. Who, was the, who did you think the brightest star was on the Sounders this week? Well, I think probably Ozzy Alonso. God, he's so good. That, again, he is so dominant in that defensive midfield area. A lot was expected of Jordan Morris coming in. And I think maybe the the pressure of expectation has is, is, is grown too greatly on him. He went off also with the US under-23s to play Colombia for a spot in the Olympic Games. Oh. And they fell flat. Now, Colombia were always the favourites. So sure. Their national team is an excellent, high-ranking national team. Think of the likes of James Rodriguez, for example, who plays at Real Madrid and was, was, was stellar in 2014 in Brazil. But Jordan Morris comes in as the great Sounders hope. There was an incredible amount of hype around him, but he hasn't been able to perform for club or country. And there are a few moments in the game when he actually came on, you thought, promising, promising... And then it was a heavy touch 
or a moment of indecision, and he's clearly a guy lacking confidence right now. Absolutely. He's got a lot of really good tools, a lot of really good skills. We're yet to see it, and we're yet to see whether he'll adapt fully from the college game and how quickly he'll adapt from that college game. Man, I'll never forget the first chance he had on goal, you know, from just outside, the, right about the top of the eighth. First game box. of the season. First game of the season, and he had that chance, and he just leaned back and rocketed over the goal. And I thought to myself at that time, let's hope he gets another chance at it because that's going to stick with him. And so far, it has appeared that it has stuck with him. I know, and you just wonder if that had gone in, whether everything would be very different. It's all a matter of ifs because now, this week, the head coach, Ziggy Schmidt, has said he thinks that Jordan Morris needs to take a step back. Clearly, he's not adapted well to his first season with the Sounders. Yeah. And <laughs> Ziggy Schmidt went as far as to say, you guys, pointing to the media when they were asking him about Jordan Morris, you guys put a lot of expectation on him building him up. Um, I don't know whether the media had put a lot of expectation on him. But I think the Sounders themselves have put a lot of expectation on him. <laughs> Quite a few media members bit back and quoted and showed the, the photo that the Sounders published on their Twitter and Instagram accounts when Morris was first signed of him up the top of the Space Needle in a throwback Thursday with his picture next to a picture of Lionel Messi up the top of the Space Needle <laughs> with the caption of just saying, wink. Basically, comparing their own player on, on the Sounders' <sighs> social media accounts, Jordan Morris, to Lionel Messi. Well, and that's, I think they've bought into the uh, men and blazers a bit who call him the Stanford Messi. Yeah. That's uh, one thing to be the best college athlete at the time, but there's a big transition. Look, don't heap so much on this guy. And, and in a way, expectations were also raised by him getting nine caps for the U.S. national team yeah. as... A college guy, the first college player in 20 years to play for the U.S. national team. And he scored against Mexico. So there are a number of factors here hyping him up, yeah. coming from maybe all sides, to be absolutely fair. And that puts a lot of pressure on him. And the really interesting thing for me was the debate around the time that he chose the Sounders over the German team, Werder Bremen. And people were saying, oh, well, he's shirked what would have been more pressure playing in the Bundesliga in Germany than it would have been playing at home. No way, he would have been playing for the bench. He probably would have been on the bench in Werder Bremen, but he would have been able to go about his own daily business, I would presume in a very quiet, yeah. unassuming manner, because he'd be 5,000 miles from home. Sure. Here, he has the home comforts, which is great, and he'll, he made his own decisions on, on which way he wanted to go. But you're in a bit of a fishbowl in Seattle, in a city that does, to a large degree, love its soccer, you're surrounded by people Monday through Sunday that know who you are, that will say hello to you, mm -hmm. want to talk to you in the grocery store, are in you the Ross coffee Fletcher? shop. No, I'm, I'm, jo I'm Jordan Morris. I'm Jordan Morris, yeah. Leave me alone. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that means that he's got that pressure everywhere he goes. Now, I'm sure most people, are the vast majority, are being very nice, but he's fully made aware of his role in the community because he's living right in that community, the one he grew up with and the one that he quite rightfully wants to represent. But with that brings additional pressure because it's very hard to get away from it. You're right in amongst it. What would you do with him? If you are if you were managing the Sounders for a few weeks while Ziggy was on vacation to Jamaica, <laughs> what would you do with him? I mean, it's difficult for me to say because I'm, I'm, I'm much more detached from it now and I don't see him in training every day. He's clearly got assets. His right boot is, is very good. He's fast. He's strong. He doesn't look 
necessarily like a, a, a winger. It's it's tricky to say. You're going back to how do all the pieces fit? Do you have Valdez as the target man and you play Morris off him, running the channels as he likes to do? He's very good at running the channels. But then what do you do with Clint Dempsey? So it's a, it's a hodgepodge right now for the Sounders. They've got to figure it out pretty soon. They've got a very valuable win against Montreal, playing ugly. They're still disjointed. They're still not really all on the same page, but they got that win. That hopefully will give them some confidence. And going into this game at Houston on Sunday, they'll be able to slowly figure it out and start to gain some much-needed momentum. It's crazy that they um, that, that we're looking at the season the way we are. They beat the number one team in the East Coast, so that's cool. Keep in mind that they're traveling and everything, but at least that's nice to get a big win. Without Didier Drogba. Sure, they were number one without him though too, right? Or did he play? No, he didn't play. No, he hasn't played. Doesn't play season. on turf. No, but I mean, has he played earlier this season? He came I... off the bench at Dallas in a loss, but that's about it. Yeah, so I haven't even looked to see what Houston is like, but I can only imagine traveling down there at this time of year is favorable compared to, say, July. That's a really good point. This is going to be a, that's that's a pretty big, at least seasonal win, not necessarily a three points, but it's like that's it's a lot easier to do that and have them come up here in the summer than the reverse. So it'll be. Interesting to see if the sweatiest place on earth will have any effect on the <laughs> traveling team this weekend. I don't know, man. I wouldn't put. I wouldn't start Morris for a few games. I'd let him come in off the bench for a while, just to get his feet back under him and get his head in shape a little bit, and have him be the hope at the end of the like, uh, at the end of the season. He comes to comes through when someone else starts to struggle. I hope that's where it goes. All right. Um, I gotta make sure I don't have any more notes. Check the notes. Got to check the notes. Very important. If we missed, you probably missed something about the tulips. I'm sure that's what it is. I have a lot of thoughts about tulips. <laughs> but yeah, Houston aside, that really struggled last season. I didn't really ever get it going. But up front, they have, they have, they have weapons. Giles Barnes like him. Saw him a lot from when he used to play for Derby County in the UK. Yeah, one of those teams that I, I covered before I came over to the US. Will Bruin, and then the enigma that is um, Eric Kubo Torres, who was signed in. Much fanfare last year, never really got it going. He had some off-field problems and he didn't ever seem to, to pick up where everyone thought he would. But still, dangerous weapons. It will still be a, a, a tricky game. They all are. I'm going to leave you with this question because it's a note that I took in my book that says your name next to it. So to talk to you about this mm-hmm. when I'm here, no idea what it means. So let's see what you think of... You're scaring me right now. Anderson. Wanted it all, got nothing. <laughs> Oleg Anderson, oh my Anderson! I think right now, the Sounders was he twenty-one, new player came through the S two development team last year. It was great last year. And I just, as I said to to my colleague, to my buddy, while when he came on on the field and started doing three sixty spins and sprinting around and doing all sorts of crazy stuff, he tries stuff. Rather, I probably use a stronger phrase than stuff, but he tries stuff. And in one moment, he is mesmerizing. In another, he is agonizing. Because there were a couple of moments in the game late on yeah. where he got a hold of the ball and was charging on a breakaway. Should have played in one of his, his teammates, particularly on a three-on-one break to seal the game. Carried on himself, took so long 
that he was tackled. And that's what you get with those young, raw talents, that they look amazing in flashes, and I think he's a crowd pleaser from that point of view. But as a coach, you are tearing your hair out at some of the stuff he does. He doesn't quite have that soccer nous yet, and he'll have to learn pretty quickly if he wants more game minutes. Put on some orange boots, and he's a real Eddie Johnson. I mean, he's a real crowd pleaser. You know, he gets the crowd off their seats, and if you're paying your money, quite often that's what you want. But if you're looking at it from a team point of view, you also want to make sure of three points every week. And so far, he hasn't made good decisions in the final third. But you hope that will come. You hope he's a guy that can learn. Because he, he can, as, you, as you've seen, he can electrify the crowd in, in one moment. Just whether he can actually play the game is, is, is the big issue. Jordan Morris reaching his hands in the air. I thought his, his arms were going to fall off his body. He was so mad Pass that he didn't the get the ball. There was three open opportunities for a pass, and he took zero. <laughs> he didn't even get a shot. Yeah. He'll learn. He'll have to learn. He'll sell some jerseys, that's for sure. 